Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Mirror Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. And I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. Today's episode, throwing Marcus a lot of questions. A lot of the, are they accounting questions? <laughs> At least five questions okay. about things you should ask before working with your accountant. With your accountant. Or, or an accountant, right? Or an maybe account, maybe yeah. it's a current relationship or, or better yet, you're kind of seeking one out and we'll kind of give yeah. you some insights yeah. because I think, I think um, we here tend to try to think in the, ter- in the shoes of a small business owner, like, you know, not just so much accountant talk and, you know, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know you guys are thinking, oh, what a spicy, dramatic episode yeah. putting Marcus in the hot seat. But I think you'd probably agree that most accountants would appreciate you know, some like def- def- defining the relationship, if you will. Oh, you know, wow, right? <laughs> I was thinking if that's an acronym, is that yeah, DTR, DTR? Yeah, I was thinking that never been rarely used. <laughs> have you it, been DT- have you been DTR before? That's a better title for this episode. <laughs> have you been DTR? Yeah, or just uh, how to DTR with your CPA? Yeah, no, is but is it I'm- just D- how to DTR your CPA? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> now we're using it as a verb. It's been uh, 10 plus years since I've uh, right. DTR'd. Yeah, no, this is good. Um, because I think, too, what it does for me, like, I, I'm always thinking about, like, client experience. And so I want to kind of put, I want to be on both sides of this conversation. Like, I want to put my myself in the accountant, CPA, advisor role, and then also kind of tell you why we're doing that be- from a client experience perspective. And I hear often that working with a CPA or an accountant is it's not the best relationship. People settle for it often just because the status quo is that the, the experience is clunky and not great. You don't mm-hmm. know what to expect. So I know all that stuff inherently, and we've talked about that in other episodes. So I kind of want to be on both sides of that. Yeah. So I didn't think I was going to ask this question, but I decided I'm going to. And I think because as a consumer, it does make a big difference. And the question is, what's the best way to contact you? Right. And how often should we be in touch? And I would say, include in your answer, you know, what the expectation of a contact is, too. I mean, yeah. there's like the stereotype, right, of like an attorney or, yeah. you know, like it's just like the clock's ticking. And mm-hmm. CPAs can kind of have that reputation a little bit, too. For sure. Um, so speak on that a little bit, too. Yeah, I think, I think, so I'll answer from my perspective, then I'll answer from the client's perspective. So. My perspective is we're trying to make that an easy thing to do. And what we mean by that is we're trying to build in communication into your price. Because the worst thing that can happen, and everybody here has experienced it if they've worked with a CPA, a lawyer, those are generally the two. I've heard this a million times. I got this bill from him for $100. I talked to him for 30 minutes. And and I'm on the other side of it thinking, I kind of understand why you did that. And I kind of understand why you're pissed. Mm -hmm. I get both sides of it. And we're trying to... We're trying to straddle that middle ground, which is I want you to call often because if you understand things and you ask questions, you're a better client and you get a better outcome. But I want to be paid for it. Right. And the other. And so the reason you get the bill from the CPA is because he's like, I don't want to give up my time and experience. Like I'm set. And let me back up. He's selling time, by the way. That's his product. For me, I'm selling a relationship. And so my relationship with you, client, includes communication. So I want you to call. It's priced into your engagement. So I would think to answer your question, the best way to get into contact with us, we like people that communicate with us through our our project management platform, teamwork, through the messaging thread. 
um, which comes to the client like an email. So if I send you a message in Teamwork, you really don't even know it's in Teamwork. You get it through your email. But obviously, we take email, phone calls. Um, we try to, like any business, streamline communication. And the reason I like it in Teamwork is because my whole team has visibility. If you send me something and I'm busy or I'm on vacation, like my whole team has visibility in Teamwork to help get something done. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I would say for us. It's Teamwork. Um, but but I'm also kind of answering a question you didn't ask, but comes up a lot in terms of communication, which is your communication with your accountant should be priced into your relationship. That way you don't feel shortchanged and nickel and dimed for a random rogue bill, but the accountant doesn't feel taken advantage of by you calling him for 45 minutes and asking for all kinds of stuff. Because at the end of the day, if you're calling them asking for advice, why shouldn't you pay for it? Yeah. But it doesn't feel good uh, to get those invoices. So I would say, for, for the CPAs, price it into the relationship. For the client, look for a relationship where it's priced in. Yeah, well, if you don't DTR, it's awkward, right? I mean, you just got to come right. out and say, hey, what is this? Yeah. You know, I, and as you're, you're the CPA, you want to help the client, but right. you also have to, you're in business and you, you can't, you're selling your time. So, and that's why I'm trying, like, we still have a few clients we bill by the hour, but like, it is, we're moving so many people off of it. And enter our monthly bundled services. Well, one, we think that's the best way to work with somebody. But two, it's just a way better experience. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like yeah. it's no number of reasons why we don't want to yeah. do it that way. Yeah, web support was very similar in the sense that like until we moved to like a subscription model, um, I mean, yeah, it was just kind of one of those things like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You're right. You yeah. know, like because they need it fixed and it's already like, an issue you know but we have we're in the business of fixing things so, so yeah so you should take the call yeah, for free yeah so it was just kind of a tough spot until we just and then too you can be more proactive yeah for sure um, yeah i know this it's, it's something i hadn't even thought about till you mentioned this but i know for the clients which again for most of our clients are on a monthly subscription for the clients who were who have that we are motivated to give them better service because they're paying us often. Yeah. And we want to add value because the worst thing you could have in a subscription-based relationship is for doubt to creep in. Where somebody says, like, you know this, you have a subscription, you're not getting any value from it. You go, what am I getting from these guys? But if they're mm-hmm. constantly providing value, you want to keep that relationship. So for us, if you're paying us, we want to do things to make you keep and maintain that relationship. And we that works best for us financially. But we also think it's best for you if you maintain a relationship because you get things tackled more soon, you know, sooner and proactively. Yeah. So speaking of proactive, what, there's another question. How can you help me prepare and survive? This is mm, a direct this is a good quote. One. Yeah. The tax season. The tax season. Well, I think it all starts. So let's talk from a business perspective. It all starts with being organized. So we, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you know where I'm going with this. We built a whole system around this called the total control accounting system. But the reason we built it is because we see so many people who fall into this this ditch of last minute rearview mirror scrambling. What like literally? What did I make this year? So the first step is have your accounting done throughout the year. Whether it's with us, we offer two paths: a DIY, what we call DIY assisted, where you do it, we watch over you and give you lots of tools and resources to help and check and make sure it looks good, or full service where we do it all. First step: have that done. That's the building block. And then that building block leads into late in the year, 
you can proactively plan, which if you're working with us on either one of those plans, we're doing tax planning for you, telling you what to set aside, what to pay in, what moves to make. But once we get toward year end, we're even kind of, we have a lot more water under the bridge, so to speak. You got 10, 11 months of data. So we can really make some good decisions. Now it's like, we kind of know what your tax bill is going to be. And let's make this move here. Like you were already thinking about a piece of equipment, like you needed it, or maybe that you're wanting to expand and you needed to hire somebody. Maybe you give them a sign on bonus because you can get it in the current year, but it's all leveraging off of good data. So get your data in order. What I mean by that is get your accounting in order, have somebody review it, you know, like, like we do, it sets you up to start making tax moves. And then really, I've said this before, the tax return is the end of the engagement. Like it's literally, it's done. We've planned for it. We've prepped. We've made moves. The tax return is just checking our thinking. Yeah. Like, did it come out like we thought? And the case, I mean, generally, yes, because we've planned for it. Right. What are the specific ingredients of that? Like you talked about, just get it done. What What are the What's done look like? Done looks like it's it's done. Like your data is centralized in one place, so you've got all your accounts reconciled. You've done your accounting, which means. All your bank accounts are reconciled. Your your balance sheet. Let's let's get specific. Your balance sheet is accurate. Your balance sheet is accurate by nature and the way accounting works. That means your P and L or your profit and loss or or AKA income statement. Mm-hmm. That's accurate. So your balance sheet has to be accurate. Like I've seen people they put loan payments on the P and L. You know what I mean? Like lots idiots. of idiots. Yeah, idiots. We won't name <laughs> names. <laughs> but you get my point. Like have somebody. That's our job. And you and I were talking before about like. I want to update our website and kind of this thinking about like trying to brand ourselves with clients to say, we don't, we're not selling accounting. We're selling peace of mind, a better version of your business using accounting. And the reason I'm harping on the accounting is because if your financials suck and they don't tell the story, we can't make good decisions. So that's why you may not want to engage us to do accounting, but I'm telling you engage us to do accounting because we're going to get the foundation right to do the other things you want to do. Right. Which everybody comes to a CPA with their brother-in-law's tax tip or their <laughs> brother-in-law's scheme. Well, my, how about, I'm sure you've heard this one. I work with a bunch of people and they get a lot of money back. Well, I don't know their scenario. Like, you get my point. So, like, mm-hmm. you can't crawl before you walk. So get it organized. Get somebody looking at you. Get your balance sheet or your accounting in order such that mm-hmm. it's pretty accurate. And any CPA worth their salt is going to be able to help you get your accounting organized. But that's not where the relationship ends. That's not the service I want to sell you. I want to sell you that it's a means to an end to get to the good stuff, which is what you're talking about, to plan and prepare. Yeah. And that was the next question is what are some of those things, you know, literally what says, what are some considerations I should consult with you about on an ongoing basis? Everything. You you kind of dropped a bunch of them just now. Um, You know, major expenses or. Major expenses. Do I hire some, need to hire somebody, W2 employee versus contractor. Um, what does it look like to do business in this state or that state? I mean, just yeah. anything. I mean, if you're just, but again, if you have a relationship where you feel like you're going to get a hundred dollar bill for that, you start, you start weighing on the scale. Is this piece of advice worth the hundred dollars mm-hmm. when yeah. it should be priced in the engagement so that you can get a good answer to your question and do better? Yeah. So you've kind of handed at the, the foundation phase, right? The record phase. Right. That's essentially what you've called just having your accounting done. Correct. And I think that's a good sort of like milestone a flag would be having a balance sheet if you've done that then by the nature of having a good balance sheet everything else must be in order right um 
What is, and this, this question, I think there's two of them, right? Is how can you help me grow my business? And then two, how can you help me clamp down on my cash flow? Yeah. I think they're variations of the same question. Right. Obviously your growth requires right. you know, more cash flow or, um, there's subtle differences, but speak right. to that. Cause I'm imagining, okay, we've gotten to this place where, you know, you know how to establish a good relationship with your accountant. You know that your, your stuff is in order. You can right. read it together. Now you're sitting down and you're consulting them. What are you looking at? Are you looking at, okay, let's map out your cash flow. Let's, what does that look like? Yeah. So for sure. So the, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, so you're kind of working through that record phase. And at the end of the record phase is collaboration. So at the end of this, it's like you're in a good cloud-based software. The data is good and organized and, and accurate, and we're collaborating. So now when you ask me the questions, I don't want to miss this point. I've got access to your data to give you real-time answers. But what we're talking about is stuff like this. Hey, I noticed um, your customers take 60 to 90 days to pay you. Are there some alternative payment options we can implement? Because again, if you've listened to the episode, I think the second episode we talked about frictionless payment systems. Why not offer ACH, draft the money? What's your sales process like? Like Dave Ramsey always says, if you have a collections problem, you have a sales problem. So I, as a business advisor, want to get into that stuff with you. I want your accounting to be good so I can get into the good stuff, which is let's get you paid in 10 days. What would that look like? What would that do for your business? Like, and then so maybe we implement build, uh, an ACH software. Or we implement a new process in terms of how we bring on a customer with expectations. Like, but those are the kind of things we're doing to help you cash flow. It's generally around two things. Well, lots of things, but I'll talk about two. Collections and speeding that process up, which goes hand in hand with sales. Like, you got to ask yourself, if you can't collect, why would you sell to that person? Why would you extend credit? I see this all the time. So, but I think it's because people are... Uh, they have, they're insecure about their business. They'd rather have a customer than no customer. So we talk about that kind of stuff. But then also recurring expenses. Recurring expenses of um, a client of mine, he, said, he, makes, he uses this term all the time. Like he says, am I boiling the frog? Kind of the concept of, I just don't watch it and things just creep, 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 right. creep. That's done through trend analysis. That's done through looking at your top vendors. That's done through looking at what are your recurring subscriptions and handing them to you. And say, like we do this. Uh, I said the other day, Mirror Group has to become a client of Mirror Group. Like we, we're on this total control accounting system. Like I have Stephanie now with a monthly checklist of reports we look at. One of them is what are the subscriptions hitting our credit card? Yeah, we live in a SaaS world or software as a service or subscription model. Yeah. We're trying to sell a subscription, but we buy a lot of them. What are the ones creeping up that we didn't even know? We yeah. had some the other day. We had other clients. We had their zero subscription on our account. Just because it happened, we set up their file. We tried yeah. to transfer it, whatever the reason. Right. That was 30 bucks a month. Yeah. Like what recurring creeping expenses are you spending on? What duplicative services are you buying? Yeah. Pro tip, you can set that up in your P&L. So like I have it separated of like, you know, like office and software expenses nice. by recurring and then. Ah, that's good. Yeah. So, Cause you could even, and then you could make it in your financials where if you didn't, you know, if you start doing a lot of that, you become this like this PL that's like three pages long. Yeah. But you can you can then edit it in such a way in zero to say just collapse those two. Yeah. And make it easy, but you get the level of detail. And I'm I want to kind of riff off what you're saying. Your your books are yours. They should be. Don't let your I mean your accountant should be there to advise you and help you. But mm -hmm. if something makes sense to you on your PL, yeah, use it. Have yeah. it. Like if you want to say recurring, yeah. dude, great. 
If it makes sense to you yeah. help you run your business, do that. It's, it's like jazz. <laughs> It's a, it's a symphony, man. Yeah, it's your, like your a PNL. It's just like jazz. All right. <laughs> wow. Um, Can we get t-shirts made? This yeah. Day? All right. So we're we're kind of rounding uh, some of these last questions, right? This one I feel is like a little out of left field. But oh, what Lord. is my break-even point? Ooh. I know it's probably going to depend, right? But yeah. What, what does it, it depend on? The age old the age old break-even is it depends. But I would say this. So you asked me this question, forget what episode it was, we were talking about accounting terms, and one of them mm-hmm. was, was break-even point. And we got into this concept of contribution margin. So again, all this presupposes that you've got good data. If you don't have good data, I can't tell you anything really. I can speculate, I can try to come up with it, but here's the, here's the crux of it. You need to know at what interval, because you got to also know where you want to break even. You want to break even for the month, the quarter, the year, you get the point. You need to know what are my fixed costs, first step. What do I have to cover to keep the lights on? Keep the people employed, pay their salaries, health insurance, a whole deal. Second thing, you have to know what costs vary with a sale of my service or product. So easy example, if you, if you have a product that you sell for $20 and you buy it for $8, you know every time you sell one, you, can, you have $12 of net profit. That's, that's called your contribution margin. So you know, basically, then you just say, what is my break-even point? My break-even is how many of those $12 net profits do I need to cover the fixed costs? It's that, it's that simple. Now, it gets convoluted if you have multiple products and multiple service levels where what you make on each product is different. And you could re- get a mix, right? You could say, on average, we sell 30% of the $20 product and 70% of the $30. I mean, you get my mm-hmm. point. But you got to know those things. So again, back to my very simple example. I sell a widget, but we sell books, and we buy them for $8 and we sell them for 20 I know every time I sell one, $12 is going to cover the fixed cost. Okay, what are the fixed costs? Let's just say like they're 120000 I know I need to sell, what would that be? 10,000 units at $12 a unit to cover the fixed cost. That's my break even. 10,000 units. Yeah. I think this is also good to know just because it's, it's got my... <laughs> I can't tell you how many like marketing meetings are um, where I've been in where like people are like, well, if we just sell one, like if we inject X amount expense and it just pays for one, then we'll have covered the yeah. cost. Yeah. And it always gets my wheels turned of like, well, do you really even? <laughs> yeah. Does it really shake out like that? And yeah. I guess if you had a handle on your numbers, better, you'd really be able to know. Yeah, I think you, I think, you know, most people and uh, business owners kind of think of it this way. They think of costs like in a chronological way, like, okay, we sell, we sold this and eventually we get enough sales to exceed the expenses. But really, and and only at that point that do the sales exceed the, the hard cost going out, yeah. like basically a cash in, cash out accounting. Only to the point where we've had more cash in than cash out have we made a profit, which is not true. Because you can have a lot of cash out that's on your balance sheet. You haven't mm-hmm. put it on your pit. It's an inventory. It's there to sell. In my example, it's all the units of at $8 you bought. Mm-hmm. Well, you've made money. Every time yeah. you sell one for $20, you have made $12 minus your, if, you, if, you, if your fixed costs are less than $12, you have made money, even though you might have 100,000 units on your balance sheet. Yeah. So you have, like, wow, I think that's good to be just kind of off the cuff. Like, I know we need to sell this many units to cover all the costs we have. It doesn't tell the whole story. Right. 
Uh, that's good. So, all right. So what other things can a CPA do specifically? I mean, you can answer questions like that. You can look at cash flow. Um, what about assessing the value of a business? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I would say some CPAs better than others. I, I mean, full disclosure, like that's not my specialty. Um, but there are lots of CPAs that even get a certification in it called like a certified, I think there's a certification, certified valuation an analyst, CVA, there's oh, an ABV be. accredited in business yeah, valuation. That so, sounds right. Yeah. 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 I'm sure. Yeah. Those are, <laughs> yeah, you talk to those guys all the time. Right. Yeah. So well, I can look, I most certainly can do kind of a rough ballpark, give you enough to make some decisions. If you really want to go down the route of like um, litigation or divorce or sell out to a partner, you're probably going to want to bring in one of those people that has that, does that every day. So kind of just thinking through this, like, it's like anything. It'd be like your general practitioner. And he can probably tell you, man, something doesn't sound right with your heart. But if, if you really want to know, you're going to send you to the cardiologist. Or if he's really worried, you, you get yeah. my point. Like He can probably tell you exercise and watch your diet and watch your salt intake. But the cardiologist is going to say, yeah, and this and that. Yeah. And you know more nuance. So I think it's kind of similar. But a CPA for sure can kind of guide you in the right direction, give you some kind of some parameters. Some are better than others. And the people that have those accreditations going to be more experts. Yeah. I'll say this, a CPA getting you, taking through you through a process like the total control accounting system will make your business more valuable. And if nothing else, outside of, you know, corporate mergers and acquisitions, small businesses, the, the better your books, just the easier the whole thing goes, you know, right. because like, if you can, if the less you have to like, kind of put an asterisk next to like, yeah. you know, I'm sure you've been a part of that. I know like, oh, well, yeah, we just kind of ran this through this way and that it just, is like, okay, that's another thing. That's like an issue. Anytime you're, yeah, you know, it kind of chinks at your credibility. I would say like, the, yeah. like if you're trying to make this facade of like put together, buttoned up, got our act together, when you have to start giving the caveats, yeah, yeah just kind of, I mean, Think about it. Think if you were investing with somebody and they slide their financial statements across the table and they're like, yeah, but this and that. You're mm -hmm. like, well, what else, What? Else, what are the other yeah, but this exactly. and that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I would think that's just something to consider even beyond just like giving you a number. I think your value of your business is worth this, you know. For sure. More so a CPA is going to be able to make sure that it's defensible. That right. number is defensible. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and what you're talking about is that foundation that we keep like kind of hammering on, like that foundation sets you up in lots of areas, whether it's to set you up to sell the business, to do better tax planning, to manage your cash flow. That foundation is there for a reason. That's a reason why we keep harping on it. Yeah. Um, all right. So more nitty gritty stuff here. All what right. about uh, business negotiations and contracts? Yeah, I would say, you know, always, I always disclose, you know, tell my clients, I say, look, I'm not an attorney. So, I mean, yeah, I could give you general business advice, and I think any um, accountant could, but like, even I think we're reading this article together. It's like, this is a common question for accountants, one that's probably better to ask your attorney. I would agree with that. <laughs> like, So you come yeah. to me with questions on how to negotiate. I can help you with the business side of it, the, the implications of that contract. Um, but yeah, for sure, that's where having a good set of advisors, like we kind of always say people look a great insurance guy, a great attorney, a good banker, like kind of fill out your your cabinet, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, is is like necessary yeah. for sure. 
Gotcha. So what about special considerations for a particular industry? Yeah, I would say that's going to come from if an accountant has experience in your industry, they can kind of tell you, kind of get into what I would call benchmarking. So like that's generally the one. I mean, and also like we know because we're doing this as advisors, we're we're advising people on not just accounting stuff like, hey, you ought to use this software, or you ought to use this practice management, or you ought to implement this process because we see other clients doing it or we use it. But that's what's going to come from somebody who's more like, I would say, has like a, a vertical, mm-hmm. who has a niche. Um, so your accountant can help you if they work with other businesses in the industry because they can say, you know, hey, um, Dennis client, for instance, we know most dentists make, you know, 50% gross profit and 25% net profit, that kind yeah. of stuff. Like you can start to benchmark and say, well, what's, what's different about your business? Why aren't you hitting these things? And they can use their, their experience from those other clients to help you get to that same yeah. place. Would you say, and I know this is probably getting into the weeds a little bit, but would you say that there's a lot of discrepancies within like the tax code and compliance within industry? No, like- I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say that. I mean, there are obviously things that are more nuanced for certain people that like certain businesses, the way they do things, for instance, like would uh, qualify them for like a re- uh, research and development tax credit because of the, what they do. But generally but not beyond the, like, I know you made it kind of the comparison of like, general practitioner and like a specialist right but like that seems like a little bit more of an extreme than like what i would see. well there are certain situations yeah like within listening. the realm of small business yeah within no but if you i would yeah i would think there are like international tax issues that's or you start selling like hey we want to open up a location you know in mexico or something like that yeah you need somebody that does that in fact i've got a client that does that i brought in an international tax expert because I don't know that as well. And I know enough to be dangerous kind of thing. So yeah, I think there's definitely times when I don't, I have no problem with my clients. If I think it's right for them to bring in an expert because you ultimately just want what's best for them. If I'm not the guy for the job, that's fine. I just want them to get the right service. Gotcha. All right. Last question. All right. What are some common mistakes I should avoid when working with a CPA? Ooh. Um, I would say the thing that damages your relationship with a CPA is uh, a lack of proactiveness on your part. So like clients who need things and want things, but don't reciprocate. So like if you're working with a client, I know, and I'm going to give you the person. That's a good rule for relationships. Right, right, right. I feel like like we started off with DTR and now we're talking about relationships then. Like maybe we've got like a encore podcast yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be bringing a therapist or something. Right. But, um, but no, in all seriousness, like if your relationship with CPA is not going to be great, if you don't reciprocate in terms of like you ask them for information and they deliver it, but when they need information or data from you to get the job done, you don't provide in. Ask yeah. any accountant here. Who's their worst client. It's the one who says, man, I need this. And, and they say, well, we've been asking you for this for five months. Yeah, yeah but now I need the report. So mm-hmm. what, I'm, what I'm getting to, what I'm getting at is they don't value the service. They're just in total reactive mode. And a banker said, hey, I need your tax return to get this loan done. They really don't value the accounting or the tax piece. They just know it's a necessary evil to get financing yeah. or do something. And so it needs the CPA stamp on it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I would say just that's, you know. One of the things, and then another thing that this article mentioned, which I think is great, is not being 100% honest. Like with your accountant, for us, like I want to partner with you. And increasingly, 
I know for us, like I think everybody could relate to this in business. When you first start out, you probably work with a wider funnel of people. And then as you get, let's just be honest, more leverage, more revenue, you kind of become more picky. And for us, we're even we're that funnel for us is getting narrow based on how we work with people in terms of software. But I know the first one of the first things, if I don't trust you, like I got my reputation and my certification on the line when I filed your tax return. And although most of the burdens on you, if you get fraudulent data, I've got an ethical responsibility to look at it and make sure it makes sense. If I can't trust the answers I'm getting from you, that for me is a place where we end a relationship. Yeah, because I want to feel like I'm working with you as a partner trying to help you. You're giving me good information to get that job done and help. It's kind of the old Jerry Maguire, help me help you. Yeah. Like that's true. But if I can't trust you, then that's where it ends for us. Good deal. I think you've, uh, Five the hot seat, man. Um, <laughs> Good. Like I knew you would. I mean. Appreciate it. Um, well, that's about it, guys. That's it for this episode. I uh, hope that was informative on ways to work with your accountant. If you want more information about what accounting could look like for your business, go by mirror.group. Check out some of the other episodes. I want to say one thing, too. You you mentioned this before. I always do this to you. It's like the PS, PSS. Yeah, that's fine. The total control accounting system. It's designed, and you made a great point. It's not that hard to get. It's not that hard to get going with that. Like, if you're thinking like, like a lot of clients are, just I want to do this complex tax planning and all this stuff, but you don't reconcile your bank account. We can get you there, but it takes it takes someone believing in that process of like, okay, like full disclosure. I'm gonna just give you everything. Let's get it all in. Let's reconcile it. Let's get it fixed up, and let's start getting consistent and collaborative. That can happen fairly quick. Enough said. Enough said. We'll (laughs) leave it at that. All right. See you next time. All right. Later.